0: If you don't see eye to eye with a particular person, in whatever relationship that is, whether that's an investor, a customer, an employee, um, you're just going to end up shooting yourself in the foot.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, I'm welcoming to the show, Ravi Kurani. He is the innovative CEO of Sutro, a company that's revolutionizing the way we manage and conserve water through smart technology. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me on, Chase. This is awesome.
1: I'm excited to chat. So for those that are unaware, what types of products are you guys bringing to market over there?
0: Yeah. So our flagship product is actually a floating laboratory, like I like to call it. For swimming pools, pot tubs, or spas, right? So if you have a home, Los Angeles, Austin, Texas, Miami, Florida, you probably have a pool in your backyard and you probably have to test the water to make sure it's safe. Our device basically floats in your swimming pool and then we have an app that tells you exactly what chemical to put in and when to make sure that your water is always blue, safe to swim in. Um, The kind of larger goal of our technology is to move into multiple different arenas, right? So if you think about where water needs to be measured and where water is used, that's where Sutra wants to live. And that can be agriculture, that can be food and beverage, that can be making beer, producing wine, um, drinking water. And so that's that's eventually the roadmap of where we want to end to, but right now we have a swimming pool product.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So where did the idea for this product come from?
0: Yeah, kind of um two tangential threads. So, imagine sunny Southern California. Um my dad used to have a chain of pool and spa supply stores. So, I did everything from driving in a pickup truck to servicing pools, all the way to running my dad's pool store and testing people's water. Um fast forward to after I graduated grad school, I ended up going into impact investing in India. And a lot of the investment theses that we saw, a lot of the investment um, pitch decks that we saw were around people that were pitching water filtration ideas, but nobody was doing anything around water sensing. And so we're like, hey, how are you going to fix the water if you don't know what's wrong with it? And so we started looking into sensing technology, um, built out the first prototype, tried selling it to the Indian government. Stupidest thing a startup can do. Don't try to sell to the Indian government. Um, came back to the United States and flipped the model around with that kind of echo to what I used to do when I was growing up of, hey, let's go ahead and launch this product into swimming pools, sell them to wealthier pool owners first, make you know higher dollar per unit, and then use that capital to reinvest in the technology that we can then deploy in the drinking water stuff later. Um, and so that's kind of the uh, 2 weird tangential threads that end up connecting Sutra to where we are today.
1: Oh, that that's a wild story. So I guess I I need to ask. So you're in the VC world uh, looking at these all these ideas and that you see a gap in the market now did you jump in with uh, yourself or did you partner with another company to start looking at this sensing technology like what was the story from like ideation to the first product
0: yeah i mean so my background's actually in mechanical engineering as well so i initially started napkin sketching the the first versions of this right i i wouldn't say that i'm responsible for the entire thing because we've had so many people that have had their hands on the product that i really do owe and tip my hat to a lot of the folks that have actually helped get us where we are but in terms of your question um it first started off with a very simple premise of what does the water sensing ecosystem look like and if you look at it there's kind of two very big humps right the first hump is on really, really cheap water test strips, you've probably seen these like litmus strip tests or swimming pool test kits that you just dip in the water and you look at the color. Um, those end up having a lot of accuracy issues because people, one, the test strips themselves end up degrading over time if you don't store them properly. But secondarily, you have the human element of being able to read color, right? That becomes a problem. On the other hump... You have really expensive technologies that are sometimes $5,000, $10,000, up to $80,000 per unit that only laboratories can afford, right? And so you're sending in these samples to make sure that laboratories can get them. And so there's this really big gap in the middle um, of something that's autonomous, something that removes the human element, and something that's cheaper. Um, And that's kind of where we first came at it from. Um, Initially, we actually did what all startups should do is build as quick as you can and deploy product as quick as you can. So we took off-the-shelf sensors. We literally went to Amazon and we were like, hey, water sensor off the shelf, connect it up to a plug, and then put a Wi-Fi chip on top of it. Um, and so that really was our first prototype was just how do we take something off the shelf, plug it up with a Wi-Fi connector, and then make an app around it.
1: Okay. So you've, you've got a prototype. You've, you build out your MVP of the app. Do you go and seek funding? Do you go and try to sell this immediately to the government? Uh, you know What's the next step?
0: Yeah. Initially, we kind of were in the middle of a prototype. We were, we were trying to pitch the government for funding. And so we were in between like getting a prototype built, slash pitching to the government, slash validating the idea. Um, the problem in India was that even getting to like the first person who was going to be a decision maker was taking us weeks and months to even get to that first goal. And so that's what kind of launched us back into California again. And the, the model there actually is a lot more interesting. And so what we did when we first landed back in California was we wanted to validate the hypothesis that a homeowner, right, somebody that had a swimming pool would trust a robot floating in their pool and then basically be able to trust its recommendations that came off of it. And so we basically built um, a prototype that was kind of halfway functional. We wouldn't... I today would say that I wouldn't lean all of my you know laurels on this first prototype and expected it to do full on chemistry management, but with that, we basically went into the home and double checked the water chemistry ourselves as as humans um and so this is what's called in in prototyping it's called concierging, right so where you have a concierged experience that uses a technology as a crutch to validate that does this entire box actually give the promise that the customer is hoping for um what ended up happening after that actually is we ended up deploying more and more of these these dummy prototypes. And we ended up building actually a pool route. We ended up building a pool service route. We literally had like 30 pools and we had to pay a pool boy to basically go around and, and service these pools. And at that point in time is where we basically raised our first half a million dollars. Because we said, look, we have to use a human to crutch this really dummy prototype. We need money in to basically automate this entire system. And the value here is that we've actually proved it that these people will trust a robot if we can actually deploy the capital to build it from scratch all the way up to what the promise is. And so that was kind of our, our first validation and how we got the product out.
1: Oh that's awesome. Now how are you finding these first customers to test the product and how did that kind of strategy evolve over time?
0: Yeah, funnily enough, you can go to maps.google.com and turn on satellite view
1: <laughs> and
0: see pools. In California, you can see pools in people's backyards. Um, A little creepy, but I have house addresses of people that I know have pools because you can see in their backyard, right? And I could have spent a bunch of money on Facebook ads and Google ads. But when you're a startup, you're trying to be as scrappy as possible. And so we basically would drop pins in warm neighborhoods, right? Los Angeles, San Diego, Austin, Houston, Phoenix. Um, And we'd know where pools are. We would just find neighborhoods that had really, really high density of pools and back then, it was a lot easier to get into Nextdoor, which was the like Facebook for Neighborhoods software. Um, and we would just basically create fake addresses on Nextdoor and say, Hey, I just moved in this neighborhood and I have a swimming pool. Any of you guys have referrals for pool service companies or pool stores I should visit? Obviously, the people with the swimming pools are going to comment on that thread. And after we give it a day or two for everybody to comment, we'll go in at the very end, and we're like, "Hey, we found this company called Sutro. What do you think about it?" And that would drive that would drive traffic to our to our website through this like really hacky commenting strategy.
1: Oh, that, that is amazing! That is amazing. Obviously, uh, it's my that's one of my favorite things about being a startup and the scrappy ways you acquire first customers is it's not really that scalable. Of course. Um, so this this was how you got the MVP into all these pools. This is how you acquired the customers to get your first round of funding. When did things start to change? Was it the next iteration of the product where you removed the human element?
0: We very quickly removed the human element because once we had validated that people wanted the product, and once we had validated that this next door strategy... you know, Our, our digital marketing worked. I put digital in quotes because it was a unscalable hacked version of digital marketing. Um, We then went to the drawing board to figure out how do you actually build the product now. So we spent the good part of, I would say, 4 years um, developing a custom sensor. And that's because the stuff that's off the shelf that we were able to buy off of Amazon just doesn't work. And it doesn't work mostly because the sensor drifts over time. It starts to get inaccurate over time. And so we had to come back to our initial promise of how do we make sure that if we're gonna put a robot in the water, if we're gonna put some sort of measurement device in the water, it needs to measure accurately because that's the initial starting point. That's that's the origination to build any of these other models off of water chemistry analysis. If your initial data point on water chemistry is not correct, you have a you have a flawed business model, you have a you have a flawed company. And so we went back, really focused in on product, um, spent the good part of four years basically building out our own custom sensor. And actually, in the midst of those 4 years, we actually ended up getting acquired by a chemical company in Canada, um, just because we had a really amazing sensor cluster that was accurate.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So let's fast forward a little bit. You get acquired, you have a a better sensor, a better product, and now you have the funding to be able to really tackle uh, the go-to-market strategy with this new superior product. Uh, what was the... Ch- like? channel that you guys went after first? Were you doing a marketplace release? Were you doing wholesale to pool and spa stores? Were you doing uh, direct to consumer through your own website? What? Where'd you guys try?
0: Yeah, our, our business... Funny story. Our business model was selling through distribution to pool and spa stores. That was how we initially had built all of our documentation. Our launch date was March 2020, hmm. which meant that 2 weeks later... Basically, California and the US was like, all businesses are going to close their doors now and you guys are all going to sit inside your homes for the next six months. Um, so we basically threw that entire business plan in the trash. What was a silver lining in this is because everybody was work from home and you know shelter in place sort of stuff, they're, they're, they were at home, they were working from home and their kids were at home. And so everybody that had a swimming pool in their backyard wasn't able to visit a pool store and needed to figure out how to actually manage their water chemistry. And it was almost a fortuitous time because we now had a product that was remotely able to tell people what they should do with their water chemistry when they weren't able to go into a pool store. And so what started off as an initial model of going B2B selling into pool stores, COVID hit, we had to basically rip up and throw that entire B2B model in the trash. And we pivoted really hard to B2C um, right at a time when people were stuck at home and they really needed to figure out how to measure their water chemistry. And so it was kind of a, we were scratching our heads and being like, hey, this might just be the be the death of us because we had this entire marketing model and stores are closed. What turned out to end up being a boon for us because people were at home and they actually needed the product more than ever.
1: After you realized that this was the time to launch direct to consumer, what was the strategy to get it in front of new eyes? Did you go with a more traditional channel like advertising through Facebook or Meta and, and Google? Yeah, it,
0: uh, was the traditional channel. So we, at that time, um, I think the world wasn't, you know, entirely uprooted. Like people, there was no more physical stores anymore. There was people, people weren't on the streets. And so digital was just the way to go. And what we built in terms of our stack very tactically was we had top of funnel on Facebook. So we had a lot of brand recognition through Facebook ads. We then did um, intent based search through Google. Um, Google, Google ads. We also really beefed up our SEO, um, campaigns to make sure that we had enough of the answers for the people that were asking questions on Google, right? Because Google is nothing but a Q and A engine. Um, and then we really beefed up our conversion rate optimization on the website itself, which we use Shopify for, um, to make sure that if people were on the website, they were able to explore enough and get enough trust, and basically spending five hundred dollars for something that they're not able to touch and feel. Um, and so that's that's kind of how our stack was tactically deployed.
1: Awesome! Thanks for sharing all that and kind of getting into the details there. I know our listeners really love when our guests do that. Hey there, merchant! Are you tired of trying to navigate the wild world of e-commerce on your own? Are you looking for a partner to help you achieve your goals? Look no further than the Shopify Plus Agency Electric Eye. Our team has a proven track record of helping our clients make millions with strategic design and development. Whether you're migrating from a legacy platform to Shopify, designing a new theme for your store, or just looking to optimize what you already have, Electric Eye is the perfect partner for you. Electric Eye are true Shopify experts. Not only is our Shopify knowledge unparalleled, but we have partnerships with all the best tech in the Shopify ecosystem. And don't worry, we're easy to get a hold of. Our clients rave about our fast communication. So here's the deal. If you're an e-commerce business doing over $1 million a year, you can receive a complimentary Shopify diagnostic from our team of experts. That's free, personalized strategic recommendations to improve your store and grow your business. To get started, head on over to electriceye.io/connect to schedule an intro call with one of our experts. That's electriceye.io/connect. If you don't know what that sound is, you might be listening to the wrong podcast. That is the sound of another sale on your Shopify store. That's right, folks. We've finally made it. Shopify is a sponsor of today's episode of Honest Commerce, And I'm here today to talk about Shopify's point of sale solution. Shopify Point of Sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. This has been a huge issue for clients of our agency in the past. You need your inventory to be synced in real time and Shopify POS does just that. Connect with customers in-store and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. You can get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success at every step along the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash honest all lowercase, go to Shopify.com slash honest, H O N E S T, to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash honest. All right, I want you to picture this. You're an e commerce merchant juggling multiple platforms to manage your email marketing, SMS campaigns, and product reviews. It's a time consuming and costly ordeal, but with Sendlane, those days of chaos are long gone. Sendlane brings together the power of email, SMS, and reviews all in one convenient place. So you can say goodbye to the hassle of separate tools and hello to simplified operations, increased efficiency, unified customer experience, and huge savings. And I haven't even gotten to the best part. With the all new free Sendlane reviews, you can leverage social proof to build trust and credibility with potential customers. Let me say that again. Free product reviews. With Sendlane, you pay for email and SMS and you get reviews for free. Sendlane understands that customer feedback is essential for the success of any e commerce business. That's why they've made it an integral part of their platform without any additional cost to you. By unifying these key components of your tech stack, Sendlane helps you save time and money, all while generating more revenue. Don't let your e commerce tech stack hold you back. Embrace the unifying force of Sendlane and take your business to new heights. Sign up today and experience the power of streamlined operations, increased efficiency, and revenue growth. Visit Sendlane.com to learn more and schedule your free consultation with a Sendlane expert. That's Sendlane.com. Looking back on the journey, is there anything that stands out to you as like, uh, maybe we could call it a mistake now or a hiccup along the way that you might want to point out for other listeners to be like, maybe don't do this?
0: Yeah, I would say find the right people. Um, there's been a lot of people that I have gotten with, right, in, 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 the, in the makings of the company, in, in hiring and firing. The people are what make the product at the end of the day, right? The people are who buy the product. The people are who invest in the company. And so when I say people, I mean, just make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people across the board. That could be investors. That could be finding the right customers, that could be finding the right employees, that could be finding the right co-founders, that could be finding the right acquirer, um, because at the end of the day, people work with people. And products and investment and dollars and bank accounts, all those things are vehicles to make things move. But at the end of the day, if you don't see eye to eye with a particular person in whatever Relationship that is, whether that's an investor, a customer, an employee, um, you're just going to end up shooting yourself in the foot. And so I would say the big, biggest mistake I've made is not focusing on people in my own life before. Um, and I take a real hard look at kind of who I bring in the circle now.
1: Absolutely. It's uh, higher, slow, and fire fast is the old mantra that I always hear.
0: Yeah, yeah, entirely.
1: Now, is there anything I didn't ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience?
0: I think one thing that folks in startup or people that are, that are working in in e-commerce or have an e-commerce style business that should realize is the world is constantly changing, right? Like we could have never predicted COVID. We could have never um, predicted the, the rise of Facebook ads, right? To that, to that matter. Like everybody, if you were to talk to somebody on Mad Men right in the 1960s, they would have probably never envisioned a, a digital world that is off the back of three g of which Steve Jobs then invested the invented the iPhone, which then people got really comfortable with using their phones, and now they can then use Facebook as an app to then get advertised to right. All that to say is make sure that the world that you understand the world is changing and you have to make sure that you're pivoting your strategy to what is relevant to your particular audience and what might be relevant today may be irrelevant tomorrow. And it's not that your model doesn't work, it's just that you need to understand that everything is changing around you and you need to change with it. And many times when I mentor founders they just get so stuck on well that was my business model and that's what I planned for and that's what this is and it's like well you might have planned for it but the world doesn't want to eat that plan right now. Like It it, it has a different plan for you. And so make sure that you just um, keep your eyes open and keep an ear to the ground and make sure that you're listening to what the world is telling you to see how you should pivot to make sure that you're the most successful in what you're doing today and tomorrow.
1: Oh, absolutely, Robbie. I mean, you saying that made me think about just how... People get really wrapped up in the decisions that they've made, and a tactic versus strategy is something that they aren't really comprehending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's well, the strategy is sound, the tactic and the approach you're taking is not working right now. So maybe it's a time to pivot, right? And like marketing's the same as it was 50 years ago, as it was 100 years ago. It's the same exact thing. Once you learn the concepts, of awareness and trust, and you know, getting the sale uh, is simple three step funnel. But the tactics at each part change, yeah, and they evolve. You know, back then it was magazine ads, and now we've got sure. Facebook ads, and retargeting is a lot easier these days, and intent based search. But the 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 strategy behind it hasn't changed in over hundred years. So that I think that's some great advice as well. Back to Sutro, though, if I'm listening to this and I have a pool and I don't want to you know do it the old way, and I want to check out the product, where should I go? What should I do?
0: Go to mysutro.com. That's M-Y-S-U-T-R-O.com. Um, and you can order on there. We'll get it delivered to your doorstep in 3 to 5 business days.
1: Awesome. Robbie! thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jase. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes, you can subscribe to the newsletter at HonestyCommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes that really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.